It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're Friday Night Games. We are two board game enthusiasts who want to finish answering last week's questions and immerse you into our love of the hobby by bringing you board game content every Friday. We create for several platforms, including Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, the internet, YouTube, all the things. (laughs) Robots. Aliens. <laughs> and on our last Ask Us Anything podcast, one of our supporters, active listeners, gave us a really, really good set of questions. These questions were so deep that we thought it'd be interesting to explore in an episode all to itself. So a big shout out to Lucho AB for the following set of questions that I'm going to read right now and we will answer as we go through. So question one, what was the first board game other than the main classic? that really got you into board games question two what are some content creators that made a difference to you and then this has like a bunch of sub questions to it so like when you first got into modern board games when you began content creating and who do you connect with now or maybe in the past question three yeah so believe it or not that's not five questions that's one question so now we're at three what do you do career-wise and what other hobbies do you have do they cross over four Uh, Have you watched the documentary Game Master? That is a huge question. Yes, we have. Five, while advances have been made, there's obviously still a lack of representation and diversity in the board game industry. What are some examples of diversity that you see exist in board gaming? And that has a couple sub questions to it. And that is like with regards to content creation and with regards to the companies themselves. Did you get all that? (laughs) Yep. Sweet. Sorry, can you repeat it? (laughs) Yeah, okay. Start question. Oh, no, I'm joking. All right. (laughs) Okay, now that you know the deep topics we're going to get into, let's talk. Yeah, let's do it, John. Hit it up. All right. So, what was the first board game other than the main class? Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. on. What do we want to name this episode before we get into it? Oh, I was just going to name it Ask Us Anything Part 2. Oh, I thought it would be like... Keep it simple. Lucho A.B. The Man. Isn't that simple? Sure. Done. (laughs) All right. Sweet. Cool. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. I interrupted you. What was the first board game other than the main classics that really got you into board games? Wow. This this is a deep question. So we said we're going to go deep with this. So we're going to get pretty deep, all right? And over the last year and a half, I feel like on different platforms, I've actually thrown out a lot of different answers to this. So let's go let's go slightly deep at first. So as a group, a few of us started watching Will Wheaton and his tabletop and we started collecting the favorites that they demoed on the show. We actually watched it separately, not not as a group, but we watched it separately. So for me, the games that really appealed to me when I watched it basically you're watching like a demo um, was Dead of Winter. Kings of Tokyo, which I bought Kings of New York because I'm like, it's a newer one. So why not? Ticket to Ride, Coup, Sorrow of the Season, Love Letter. All those games I discovered via Will Wheaton's tabletop. At the same time, Bill started collecting all the other games from the show, which was an awesome idea to start any game collection. And honestly, it's pretty sweet to get people's top 10 lists and kind of make something from it. So Will Wheaton, or you might know him as John from our show, had a fantastic (laughs) idea to feature amazing games of the last 15 years. And it was successful and and it, it really helped games fly off the shelves. Wish I came up with that idea. I have a lot more money than I do now. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) 
Oh yeah, because because honestly, those games flew off the shelves and money flew out of our wallets. <laughs> towards the shelves yep. wings right and actually that's actually how we name bill bill got a nickname from us after that and we call him what's that name john we love to call him board game bill yeah <laughs> so that's how he got his name right do you do you think i could go deeper than this you think i could go deeper uh, i mean that? you probably could okay so let's go a little deeper so we all have been we, we all have had video games in our lives throughout our life you know if you heard me talk on some other shows i might have said that we started in kevin's basement our editor shout out to kev whoop, whoop. there it is we started off playing like smash brothers 64 that led us into counter-strike and basically every blizzard game that ever came out and we used to hang out every friday to do this or do something which could have been dinner we could have watched movies played games sometimes we talked about nerdy things we never really talked about girls because we were like super afraid of girls <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know so everyone was kind of like splitting up later on in life like we all graduated college or university we all kind of went to college in town and i took a new job and i was actually living in uh, toronto and i wanted everyone to still hang out so we kind of started playing world of warcraft together and then that's kind of when everyone started splitting so when i came back to windsor as a teacher I was actually coaching a lot of sports. So prior to the current job I'm at right now, I was coaching football for like six years. And that was five years ago. So for six years, I was coaching football, even in like a different position. And if I wasn't coaching football, I was like moderating track and field and wrestling. And, uh, you know, a side note, I'm not an athlete at all. I'm just like a giant nerd who likes to learn and help and get people really into a sport because you know i i wasn't into throwing but man throwing was so much fun and i wish i was so try to get my enthusiasm to bring other people into it anyways so five years ago i started a new job and i shared an office with a co-worker big shout out to her she's listening she knows who she is and now and like currently we're basically office best friends we're very close but what was really cool was that she was talking how she actually worked a gen con booth in college and i was telling her about how i was looking for games to play and she actually recommended ticket to ride and this brought me down that rabbit hole to will wheaton's tabletop and that's when i started playing these games and eventually seeing the playthroughs of will wheaton doing that on his tabletop which led me to other content creators but we'll get into that a little bit later do you think i go deeper what do you think john well, i guess so <laughs> you're asking about it are you looking at the notes and be like in the note you say <laughs> yeah and it says even deeper which is a good nine inch nails song by the way <laughs> i agree with that All my right. answer is just like piddly compared to this hey i wrote like for days for everyone so i <laughs> so but you were in this one right even deeper we used to play magic back in the day mm-hmm. Even while when I was still holding Friday nights, I was kind of in that teaching mode between this. So before when I was coaching, I was, we were playing, we kind of got back into magic and I was trying to sleeve my proxy cards because <laughs> we're too cheap. I didn't have enough money to buy cards at this point. That's the life of being a teacher. So you basically print out cards from a printer and then you sleeve them and then you play magic with them. So I actually went to a card shop and when I was there, there's they had two games that caught my eye and that was uh, Risk Legacy was one of them. And the other one was Machi Koro. And I was thinking we should play that because they look like a ton of fun. I actually bought them and we brought them home, me and my brother, and I think Mustache Matt, and at that time played them. And we had a ton of fun. We had so much fun playing them. And I'm like, man, you know, board games have really evolved. I'm probably missing out on a lot. So this is why I was talking to my friend about what to play, because I felt like I had this idea that I wanted to relive that month of us playing Risk Legacy and Machi Koro, but I had no idea how to get in these games. So she brought up that she played Takenoko, and that intrigued me, and the idea ran through my mind, and so then I started, you know, that's kind of how I 
dug into, you know, Will Wheaton's tabletop and she, you know, she recommended Ticket to Ride, she recommended Takanoko. So I was looking into it and that's how I got into it. So there you go. <laughs> that's what got me into it, right? I, <laughs> I, I kind of went backwards through that a bit, but I hope that answered it or maybe you're just confused. I don't know what I said there. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, looking back, I remember the first game that I bought. I, I don't know. I guess it's considered a classic now. But the first game that I bought with my wife while we were dating was Settlers of Catan. Get, get out of here. Really? How long ago was that? Yeah. How long ago was that? I don't know. Probably like 13 years ago. Wow, man. Okay. That puts you actually before me then. If you yeah. That. yeah. But we never really got the opportunity to play it because we bought it and not really realizing it was for three players and not two. <laughs> So we never really, we've never really played it. That's that's funny. That's funny because there is an expansion you can get for two. But at that time, how would you even know, right? Right. Bought it from the the local bookstore. It wasn't at like a board game store or anything. But like throughout the years, her and I would pick up games, like small games along the way, like you know Monopoly, Deal, great game. You know all the, all the classic board games that were turning to card games. We wanted something that was easy to play. But like what really got me into the hobby was, you know, after we got married and, you know, we moved out of town and moved. And when we moved back to Windsor, I was invited to, was it Gravka's birthday? It was. Call uh, our, friend, our friend Chris, and it was his birthday and we went to like a comedy show and I haven't really hung out with, with Matt and, you know, our grade school friends since grade school. Minus one of the one of the beer trips that we went on uh, about four years prior to that, or two years prior to that, I should say. And then you mentioned that you guys were doing the Friday nights and invited me along. And when I went to one, you guys were playing Dead of Winter, mm-hmm. and I remember just loving loving that game, just because it just it opened my my eyes to you know the board game world was more than you know Monopoly and Clue or you know the games that I were playing at my house like Scrabble Game of Life and all that stuff and I remember going home and telling my wife I'm like oh man I play this awesome game like I want to buy it blah 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 (laughs) like like really getting into it and then going back week after week and just playing all these different types of games just it just like oh just like made my brain explode just like how much there actually is out there were were you surprised fun were were you surprised that we were actually still playing like did you were you surprised we were getting together (laughs) that's surprising i knew i knew i knew you guys were all hanging out and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so that didn't really surprise me Okay. But it was just, it was nice to be invited and now we're doing what we're doing. So yeah, honestly, if that moment never happened, we, this, if that moment of you playing dead of winter with us didn't happen, this moment right now would never be happening. Right. So if you have a time machine and you want to stop this, <laughs> you need to get <laughs> to that moment. You need to figure out how old Grabk is, <laughs> when his 30th birthday is. I think it was, was it? No, it wasn't his 30th, but whatever. You got to figure out what his birthday is. You have to figure out what that comedy show is, and you got to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next question is What are some content creators that made a difference to you? Oh, um, d- did you want to go first on this one, or you want me to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Yeah, please. You know, aside from the obvious ones like Tom Vassell, Rodney Smith, Becca Scott, when it comes to content creation, I really look at it as creating that sense of community. And I really try to connect with everyone on our follow list as much as possible. So a part of the social media is that social aspect. So, you know, I go in like day in, day out, just try to comment and like as many things as I can. 
one to really help engage in some dialogue with other content creators. You know, sometimes it is very overwhelming, very draining and like burnout, especially social medias. Burnout not, is a not real, real thing. Not that the content thing. creators are draining. It just that's a lot of, no, 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 just a lot of work. <laughs> the, act of, the act of doing all that is, yeah. is draining and burning out. So I really try to say positive and like trudge along through it. A big hurdle that I always have is comparing ourselves to other social media creator uh, on our socials with other content creators. You know, questioning like, why aren't we growing as much as they are? Trying to look at it critically, adapt to the ever-changing algorithms. So when I feel when I feel that I'm in that headspace, so the people that I look for for inspiration the most are Professor Meg. I think Chio, she has just really nice pictures of her holding up board games. She always matches her hair to the box art and stuff, <laughs> the aesthetic of the picture. Um, and my favorite hashtag that she has is either like hashtag it's a wig or hashtag it's my hair because oh, she dyes her hair a lot. That's so it's actually cool. pretty funny if you look at it. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's awesome. And then we have uh, Wootsung Board Games. So there was someone who... F- followed us pretty early on and i just like their content they so they they do quick tiktok videos and they're pretty funny i've just like their collection and stuff like that and i think out of everybody i talk to him the most i'm mm-hmm. um, just like through messages and comments and stuff like that curiously books and games so steph from from that page takes phenomenal 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 pictures of board games super friendly and was like an early on follower of ours and us them as well and just super inspirational and kind and then i look at tim shuan who is a fantastic board game photographer and he does like these cinematic showcases of board games that are pretty interesting to look at so those are the people that i connect with most and they seem to have the most fun when creating content for the board game industry well that's pretty that's pretty cool yeah i actually totally agree i I love all those people tim shuan's like a professional like you know like i like looking at his stuff to to kind of get ideas for ourselves so okay so my inspiration for content creators so when i first got into modern board games so this would have been you know when i was talking about me looking through the will wheaton stuff to me this was all about lists you know where do i find the top games of the year and honestly a lot of that came from tom vassal at the dice tower their lit not just his list i mean he always had like a group of people and their lists were always very extensive and really cool board game geek always had current rate rankings of the current games and rodney smith was how i kind of would watch a game before I really wanted to make a purchase. So he really helped me understand a game before I'm like, eh, am I going to like that? Am I not going to like it? Right. And then obviously Will Wheaton came before getting into modern board games because his content was really top notch. Really, when you look at it, it was like, it's almost something for all content creators to strive to be on all levels. You know, I mean, obviously like w- soon we're going to have actors and partially scripted help, I think. Right, John? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I know they had those things, but those things didn't really like like you know that that is like the absolute top when you have actors and and completely scripted stuff but but like his his cinematography his shots his his humor like everything was just top notch and that's kind of what we all try to go for all those creators are fantastic and i'm sure you probably have seen or followed them at some point if you're listening to this podcast or know about them and if not you know you definitely need to check them out when we began content creating a year and a half ago honestly no one (laughs) honestly i had no idea like I followed the, those people previously that I mentioned, but I, I didn't. I, I tried to interact with other content creators. It was just really weird to me that that through Twitter, because I'm the Twitter person, that they would share their like weirdest random thoughts. And I just couldn't get into that. You know, like, I, I don't know. I couldn't get into like what they thought of an Apple or, you know, how this 
thing looks like a board game. I don't know. And then when you see them grow and you don't, and, and John kind of mentioned this too, you kind of get discouraged, you know, and, and you kind of just, you kind of like, well, why not me? And you're like, you're clearly not, I'm not clearly not doing things right a year and a half ago. And, and it's hard to get out of that noise and try to figure out your identity and what you like doing. But in fact, it kind of stung me so much that now I don't even like promoting us. <laughs> to be honest with you, I actually promote other people. I honestly promote other people because I, I want others to succeed. I don't want people to go through what we went through of really trying hard and just trying to figure it all out. I feel like, you know, I have the knowledge to help you get better and I'm just going to point you out and I'm going to be like, hey, follow this person. They're good, you know, or they do this. Well. Can you just do that for us then? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I can't. I honestly can't. I have a problem. I, I don't like promoting ourselves. But anyways, in fact, I don't know what people actually think of us. And I, I, don't, I don't care. I honestly don't care. I'm doing it for us. And I'm doing it for me. And I'm doing it so I can get better. So that's that's my thoughts on that. However, there is people I do care about. And one, the listener, you, Lucho AB, and people like you who enjoy our podcast. I love doing crazy ideas like this podcast i don't know how many other podcasts have the guts to feature a single listener as content name one someone name one that's a challenge name one and throw it at me it probably is one but you know unless you're what was your question what was your question if someone can actually if there's another podcast out there about board games that has the guts to feature just a single listener make a whole podcast around a single listener do you think anyone oh, think, yeah. do you think anyone has that that's, i don't think anyone's done yeah that. yeah they have friday night games there, well, that's what I'm saying. Besides, <laughs> besides us, I don't think anyone has the guts to do that. And that's kind of like my little thing where I'm always going for crazy ideas, right? To our contacts. And as we make contacts over the last year, I made friends at conventions, other people who create who are our content creators who have caught my eye and I've either promoted or, you know, we kind of grown a little relationship with and people in the industry and those people, you know, if, when someone wants, when someone wants to work with us and they reach out, I want to not only work with them, but I want to kind of collect them. I want to put them on my shelf of people, right? Right. Because they mean something to us. Right. So, you know, when you reach out to work with us, that actually means a lot to me like a crazy amount, you know, especially if you're a bigger content creator. I think that's amazing. So that leads me to who I connect with now. So this is a kind of a cool thing. I really started promoting good quality Canadian content creators on Twitter. And that has actually led us to some awesome, some, some really cool things. So Megan and Tristan from Girl Meets Nerd, you know, we did a podcast episode with them. We're going to do more for sure. Jason and Julie from Dyson Dragons. I already have something on the go. John doesn't know about yet. Uh, <laughs> Bridge City Gamers, Norman Ryan, we started creating What You Played Wednesdays together. And not just us, but a bunch of Canadians. And honestly, it's amazing community that way. And I think that's super awesome. Chad from Dyson Men, awesome. You should check out his Twitch streams. He does a great job. He does it like every, like three times a week. He does his lunch hour. He's playing games. Super cool. I guess it comes from his work. They used to do play games at work all the time. And so, yeah, we're meeting all these Canadian people. And that led to that project. You know, What Would You Play Wednesdays? And, you know, we're making great content content with people that are Canadian so you, you share the Canadian experiences but originally nice. but originally I thought this question was who I drew inspiration from and let me tell you first of all they are super crude but the thought and effort that goes into their show and they're actually a local radio station show that I've listened to forever is Dave and Chuck the Freak. And nice. they're on WRIF in Detroit. And they actually start on 89X in Windsor. And they actually moved to Detroit because it got bigger. And they're so big now. They're actually played in Boston. And they're played in like 
somewhere else like Miami or Florida or something and they're they're really funny they're really kind of crude I mean they can be crude but they're really funny and they start off in Windsor and they have that sort of like hey we're from Windsor and it's a small town but man you if you have great ideas and you promote yourself and eventually you get bigger and bigger and bigger because you're good you can make it somewhere and they're awesome and then the other ones when they left you know they moved to WRF so they kind of changed their content a little bit but Mark and Chris from 89X who they have a podcast I, I, do you know what it is top of your head john yeah the mark and chris podcast perfect yeah check it out they're on Podbean. they're they're really cool they're actually people i listened to in the last two years they unfortunately uh got kicked out of there but but they're actually funny and they are they're edgy uh, they're edgy now so i don't know how much i like the show now compared to when they were a little bit toned down for cbc or for bell media but they're really good honestly what they do really well is they're just themselves they're just themselves and i think that that's the trick you know don't don't try to be anything different try to be yourself have your humor talk like you normally would to a person i think people appreciate that and will listen to you right so there you go and that's why i like doing this podcast with you because we just talk like ourselves yeah we're not a conversation we're not putting on i feel like we're we're trying not to put on too much of a show. Maybe our intros and outros are showy, but everything else is just us talking and being real right? and making jokes. Really, that's what I like doing. <laughs> so, Matt, what do we do career-wise and what other hobbies do you have and do they cross over into the board game hobby? I have no hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> no hobbies anymore. So, okay, so my internal title is a software engineer and my legal title is a computer systems analyst. Yes, I can have both titles due to pre-NAFTA rules. I know the rules because I cross the border every day. I'm also the rules guy. <laughs> and when you're the rules guy and you cross the border, they make sure you know the rules so that you don't lose your job, you know? So I'm essentially a software engineer. I make software for a company. My Most of my job is actually spent analyzing the code and making it better. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's fun. Nice. My other hobbies, well, you know, before board games, it was my number one thing was video games and then kind of led into magic and then back into video games and then the anime. I have a lot, you know, I had a lot of nerdier hobbies over my life. More recently, I've taken up biking, like cycling. Cool. And do they cross over? Yes. You know, board games definitely crosses over with computer programming and video games because I don't want to computer program and be on a computer after my day. So I go play a board game. <laughs> which stimulates my brain similarly to a video game, but I don't actually have to sit in front of a screen, which is pretty nice. And and also I created the website that actually hosts the podcast. So, you know, no pod bean for us, <laughs> which is also bad because, you know, when I need to see the stats, I have to literally do a database search. Most people just have a nice UI and I haven't gotten around to doing that. So that sucks. And then, <laughs> so maybe pod bean's worth it. You know, maybe it's worth that 300 bucks a year. I don't know. And also, maybe. And also I'm the tech guy. So I would say I'm better at figuring out a lot of the tech stuff than, than you, John. What do you, what do you think about that? want to argue that point nope <laughs> <laughs> yeah what the is the internet <laughs> i don't know either <laughs> what about you john i am a store manager for a large coffee company i'm just not sure if i'm allowed to actually say due to some policies and such so i'm sure <laughs> you can figure out it's a big coffee company my hobbies include graphic design and music so i play guitar and sing in a band called diesel junkies they cross over I mean, being in design, it's really helped me hone in my creative side, especially with content creating. And when we started Friday Night Games, the idea started of us creating a board game, which I was, you know, tasked doing the artwork and, and stuff like that. It's really been been nice to be creative. And when we 
first started this too, I remember I made like a New Year's resolution to just focus on something. Mm -hmm. I'm very good at like getting really, really, really into something and then just dropping it at the, you know, drop of a hat. Not this though. We've been doing this a long time. Yeah. So this is the one thing I decided to focus on. So (laughs) you're welcome, Matthew. Yeah, no, I I definitely thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. I mean, like, honestly, like our skills actually kind of go hand in hand when you think about it yeah because you're very you know you kind of learn a lot of the like i might learn the tech stuff like i might learn like oh we need a camera i'll go figure out what we need right but you but you really put together the aspects of it right like oh we need this banner or we need this this art and that and that's that little stuff goes a long way right if we didn't have that we wouldn't look very good (laughs) you know what i mean even and then i feel like we're both planners too you know computer science is very logical you're a manager so you obviously have management right and we both like to like plan and make sure we have stuff laid out in front of us so if we're doing a podcast we have notes like we have notes in front of us we're not completely following them but we have them yeah cool so what's question number four question number four is have you watched the documentary game master let me tell you did you watch it john i did watch it oh man i watched it yesterday when did you watch it yesterday and today wow yeah i really liked it i stopped because it I started watching it at like 12.30 in the morning and I was like, ah, oh, I should probably go to bed. Oh, really? I was watching it till 12, thir- till 12 in the morning too. <laughs> and then I was, ri- no, I was watching it till 11 and I was writing notes for two hours. So Yeah, I, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. Yeah. So one cool note is it was actually filmed in 2017. I think it wasn't released till like 2019, 2020, right? right. No, I'm not sure. I, I found it really cool. So I'll just give you a little s- small synopsis. It includes a wide variety of characters and the current industry. It follows four indie developers. Charlie Bink, who successfully kickstarted trekking the national parks. Scott Rogers, who designed and sold ray guns and rocket ships to IDW. I'm, I'm going to, this name is just going to get butchered, but I'm sorry, Nashra. Nashra Balagamawaya, who created the game Arranged, which is about successfully dodging an arranged marriage auntie. Jason Serrato, who unsuccessfully and successfully created Thug Life and two different kickstarting campaigns. And then it includes all sorts of interviews from everyone around the industry, including the person who made Exploding Kittens, Eric Lang, Klaus Tuber, who made Catan, Rainier Kinesia, who makes tons of games are amazing, and other random interviews from people at Gen Con 2017, Spiel 2017, and it includes ton of a ton of previous winners. It's fantastic. It was fantastic. So, what did you think, John? What are were some of your thoughts? I think the biggest takeaway from for me, which kind of leads into the next question, was how it really explored how the board game industry is looking at more avenues to be more diverse and inclusive. I think I, I really I really liked Eric Lang's portion of the segment, which is really good because he's very outspoken on social media about the current lack of representation, not necessarily just in the board game industry, but like everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see him in like this setting and talking about how he thinks, you know, that year over year, the board game industry is getting a bit better. Can I, can I, can I jump in real quick for a second here? Yeah. I think like one really cool thing was that this was filmed in 2017. So right. these are, these are problems of 2017, which is really cool. Yeah. You know, and they're still they're still around, but keep going. And I also really loved the story about the arranged creator. So Nasha Balag sorry, Nasha Balagamwala. 
story and just like how her board game really affected her life back at home in Pakistan. And I really like how she challenged the status quo to become her own person. And I love that designing a board game allowed her to do that. Yeah. Um, so she didn't fit into those like cultural norms back in Pakistan, especially around being, you know, put into an arranged marriage situation. She she really fought to not do that. And I think the fact that like a designing a board game really helped her do that for herself, I think is super amazing. Yeah, it kind of let her discuss her issues, right? Right. I mean, it uh, if when you when you talk to her, you'll hear that like her aunties who are trying to set her up were angry. But at the same time, right. it's like it kind of like brought her out to be like, hey, you know what? I don't want to do, do an arranged marriage. I want to just do whatever I want to do. Yeah, and it's cool because it's like, you know, a lot of people take board games at face value, mm-hmm. but there's so much that goes into creating one. And even with, you know, the trekking, the national parks, just seeing how like the, because it's a family owned business, like the family dynamic and how it affected their family being in a business together. Which which was cool too, because then at the same time they, they explored Klaus Tuber and Catan and that's also a family business and they were, they were successful at it. Right. While Charlie Bink, not that he wasn't successful with his family at it, but he, he said it kind of changed their family dynamic. Right. So it's kind of interesting to see that. I guess some, some interesting things to me were slightly, I mean, I'll admit the Eric Lang thing was very interesting, which we'll talk right. about shortly. But the I did know some of the other themes are really cool. Was that like not making any money from Kickstarter? <laughs> Like everyone basically said that. So like, don't go in the Kickstarter thinking you're going to make oodles of money. I noticed that most people in the board game industry are like artists. They're just making a passion project and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. One huge thing I noticed was affordability and diversity. So, you know, Mm -hmm. board gaming, there's, you know, there's a lot going on towards diversity now that wasn't happening in 2017. And hopefully it's just going to keep getting better. And then also like starting a business in the industry. What's it like to go to a convention and a look? And one funny thing I noticed was that every time they showed like a big board gamer, I was always snooping their shelves on the screen. <laughs> I was hitting pause and I'm like, oh, what do we got there? Scythe, Rising Sun, Love Letter, Kings of New York. All right. All right. I like your, I like your collection, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And I know like for, for John and I, we're part of this industry. And if you're listening, you're probably closer to the industry too. You you know a lot, but it was it, from an out, like if someone who knew nothing about the board game industry came in and watched this movie, I think they would really like it. I think they'd like, yeah, I, they'd kind of... like I liked it and I'm in the industry. They, I think someone yeah. outside the industry would love it if they had, if they, even if they didn't know a lot of this stuff, and I'm not going to say I, did, I knew everything. I'm just going to say like, there's things that I didn't write, but there's things that I didn't. Yeah. So if you haven't watched uh, the documentary Game Master, it currently is available on Amazon or Prime Video. That's where I watched it here in Canada. Me too. Nice. Yeah. So awesome. definitely check that out. Positive reviews all around. And especially if you want to watch it with someone who may not understand you and your hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> watch it with them. They'll love it. I, I, d- I did watch it with my wife. Oh, really? What did she think? Most of it. What did she think? I didn't ask her, to be honest. Oh, man. Well, that's a... That's a... And then I finished watching it at work today. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to watch the rest of it with her. Cool. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the final questions. While advances have been made, there's still obviously a lack of representation and diversity in the board game industry. So what are some examples of diversity that we see exist in board gaming? So with regards to content creation and to companies themselves. I'll, I'll start if you don't mind. Yeah, please. 
especially like in 2021, this is like a big topic, obviously, because of everything that happened last year. So why does representation for marginalized groups matter? I was like, you know, cliche as this answer is because it's 2021 and it just needs to. The world is more than just white males. And I understand being a white male, there's a lot of privilege that comes with that. But to be blind to all the amazing cultures and ideas and ideologies and stories that everyone has makes a huge problem in society. And I look at it, you know, working for who I work for, we we like to look at everyone as a human being and really challenge our ourselves and our unconscious bias to everyone that walks in our door. So it's something that, you know, as growing up as as a white male in, you know, middle-class Canada, the things that I was taught, I question a lot now as an adult. And everyone deserves to tell their story. You know, I've worked with a lot of people who suffer from homelessness. I, you know, I've... And just just seeing that, how that affects the society, our community, and just how people treat other people, it's, it's disgusting. If I if I can th- I can't think of a better word. And the same thing goes with people of other races and other cultures and how people think that it's okay because our skin is white that they can treat them differently. And I think it's absolutely disgusting. Though I do think we've made some pretty big strides towards being a better society, especially of late. There have been some huge setbacks, but we are seeing those setbacks more and more each day. So when it comes to board games, what I think the best part about it is that it is a community-based hobby. There's a huge sense of community no matter what platform you're on, but there's still times where it gets it wrong. You know, I think of some board game creators, you know, who are creating games, but they're, they're, the cultural appropriation that is in it is just not representing the culture or race that they're trying to portray correctly. And, that, and that's a problem, right? So if we're going to be able to move forward, we really need to be able to be open, talk, and learn, and try to see everything from everyone's perspective. I really think that is is key to seeing more representation in games and like diving into it and not looking at just race and cultures, but also with people with disabilities in board games as well. I've seen been widely included in games. And there was actually a quote from the Game Master movie that really stuck out to me that you don't really think of, at least I don't think of as a white male playing board games. It was by the gentleman who created the game Thug Life. And he said, you know, when you open up a box and see all white miniatures, you're basically saying to a lot of people that you're not part of this experience. And that just like really hit hard for me because I just, something I don't experience when playing. And that's, it just, just stuck with me a little bit. By including those cultures and races in games, but including them properly are two very different things. As far as content content creators go, you know, obviously since the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter movement, there's been an amazing focus on people of color and other marginalized groups for creators across all platforms. And I really just hope that that continues and that those content creators see great successes. So huge people that I know in the industry that are have been really supportive of everything. James Hudson from Skybound Games and Druid City Games, Derek Fonkhauser again, Skybound Games, Ross Thompson from The Op are all people that really stand out to me who really support, really support diversity and inclusion. And even in Skybound Games, like playing their games, I've noticed that a lot of the characters are people of color as well. Great shout out to them. Yeah, this is this is a very difficult, deep question, right? Right. 
So we could definitely answer how content creation has improved. There has been a lot of promotion of diverse content creators over the last year, but I think it's sad that these content creators didn't get noticed sooner. I think it's sad that like, why did a movement have to happen for them to be noticed? They should have been noticed because their content is really good. And and I will say, I, I, I think even before the movement, our community is diverse. It definitely could be more diverse, but I think it, it, the Borgen community seems diverse because it's like, a bunch of people who like board games aren't necessarily the, the cool people in society. <laughs> we're not the coolest. We're not the best representation of society as a whole. You know, we're more of the out, we're more outcasts in every sort of way. You know, I can't really answer about how the industry has improved, but I did reach out to some contacts for some answers. I don't know if they'll have answers to share by the time we release this. Currently, I, I do have one and it, it comes from Pandasaurus Games, our contact there. And they said, you know, they have a diverse representation of races, genders, and sexual orientations is something that Pandasaurus Games prioritizes in all aspects of their workflow. From the characters we portray in our games to professionals we work with behind the scenes to content creators we collaborate with publicly. We're huge believers that everyone can love games, so we want everyone to see themselves in the games we make. And that's a fantastic answer. Love it, love it. Yeah, so the, the other people I contacted, hopefully they reach out. So so for my, you know, my personal answer is, you know, there's a lot of like social economical issues at play. You know, board games, board games are expensive and in-game master, the person who made Thug Life was saying like, you know, he grew up in a poor area. He didn't have the money to buy them. And you know, it's true with board games. If you, the people buying board games are usually people who have money which is unfortunate and it's more of an expensive hobby than video games so where there exists like an income gap it's hard to promote these games to audiences without that disposable income to buy them and unfortunately people have been treated poorly by this gap and this gap exists you know for other cultures in canada too like it exists in our country specifically you know when it exists in every generation almost too you know italians were very poor when they moved here in the 50s polish were very poor when they moved here in the 80s you know arabic and mexican communities in the 90s and 2000s in Canada are poor now, you know, and it's because they move here with no money. You know, in Canada, we're, we're socialists, but, you know, we, we still, we, we have less of a divide of incomes than in the United States. And we have assistance for lower income families, but there's still a gap, right? And then when you think about, will the, will the incomes, will the families in Canada who might be better off with social assistance, are they going to invest their money into board games? That's going to inspire, you know, diverse creators. Are we So basically you want to inject more diversity into our industry. And it's hard when you have such a big gap, right? And they're probably not because they're trying to put food on the table. Right. And, and my, you know, honestly, my mom, you know, is Italian, came here in the 50s and she was poor. She was dirt poor and experienced the same, you know, experienced racism, which is, which is sad. And it's nothing compared to what it is now. I will admit it's pretty terrible, you know? And okay. So what about, you know, what about women and others who can afford board games, right? You know, there's another way of looking at that diversity and you know, it's up to society to stop putting these stereotypes in the game, right? Like we shouldn't be putting stereotypes in the game. We should be making things less about her and him and more to promote to anyone and stop marketing Mm -hmm. sex to boys and looking sexy to girls. You know, games don't need, then if you stop doing that, games won't have those things. But unfortunately, you know, there is marketing for that. And this is why John buys everything Batman, you know, (laughs) because he likes Batman and it's, you know, and and so (laughs) 
when I look forward, you know, I am like, do we have hope? And and I do. And I feel that, you know, especially in Canada, you know, I, I feel like the next ge- two generations after my mid thirties generation, you'll see more of accepting of other people and diverse cultures. And hopefully the income gap gets closed in. And once that people stop caring about sexuality, gender, race, money, I, I know this because people who were racist and accept racism are, are dying off. You know, I'm hoping that they're a small minority and I hope they're leaving. And while, you know, schools, you know, and I was a teacher, so I did see it, you know, we're trying to teach being more diverse. We're trying to teach, you know, there is more to life than, you know, you know there's more than just a white bunch of white culture right you need to understand there's tons of culture out there and this is the amazing thing and you know i i i can compare myself to my parents and i know that i'm way more accepting than they are and i know through all the people i meet Mm -hmm. you know they're gonna have the same feelings and i know that the younger generations are gonna be even more accepting than i am and so that's where i see the hope so lucho ab thank you so much for always checking out our live streams sending us questions and engaging with us on our instagram we really 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 appreciate it these questions were super awesome and we just loved answering them we really felt that it they deserved their own podcast obviously we appreciate you and everyone else that listens so much so if you like what you are hearing today please don't forget to follow us on your favorite streaming platform you can check us out on instagram at friday night games underscore official twitter Friday night GMS. Check out our Twitch stream every Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash Friday night GMS. And you can check us out on our website, FridayNight.games. And again, I'm John. I'm Matt. And we're Friday Night Games. And remember, it's Friday night. Let's have some fun.